Hello and welcome to episode 56 of Random Encounter, the RPG fan podcast. I'm your host, Robert Simon, Pale Robbie on the boards. Joining me today is the man that needs no introduction. Hi. Moving on, we also have... <laughs> John, come on. Uh, I'm John McCarroll. I am the head guy of this website that is, is the host of the podcast that you are listening to. And apparently I love the Jello pudding. <laughs> I'm Host Runner, and this is the website. Yep. Yep. We're going with this because anytime we got a Bill Cosby reference on this podcast, I'm all right with this. Uh, we also have the master of the soundtracks. Uh, Steven, tell us on the boards. This is a website. This is a website. And then we also have the Nino Kuni hater. I think your you, thing you is you like to introduce me as Derek the opposite. Hates, <laughs> you think Derek hates everything. No, no, but yeah, you really do. And no, I don't. Derek starts out so positive on Nino Kuni, and then within one day, where he probably played the game for about 37 hours, he's just like, meh, it's all right. Yeah, I played 37 hours in one day. Doesn't, yep. Doesn't that break causality? Uh, yeah, but you know what? Derek can do it because he has ferrets. That's true. I'm Derek, and Embryon on the boards, and I'm a Beastmaster of Ferrets. Oh, God, that's such a good movie. Now I want to watch Beastmaster. We are turning into the Giant Bomb cast right now. I just (laughs) start talking about random movies. I was listening to the newest episode today. They were talking about Ghosts of Mars. I was like, wow, that's awesome. Yeah, that's not going to fly. I know, I know. All right, let's move on. Away from away from movies and whatnot. So let's talk about a little game that came out this week. Uh, everybody has been waiting for this game. When the hell was Nino Kuni released in Japan on the PS3? It's been a while, right? Early last year, I think. Okay, okay. So it's it's been a long time getting this uh, game into our hands, <clears throat> especially with Namco Bandai. I'm working to, to talk about. To give you a little perspective on how long it's been, I previewed the game in 2010. Whoa. <laughs> Okay, so Nino Kuni is out. It is out in Japan. Namco Bandai has brought it here. The level five grand special stupid awesome Studio Ghibli game. And what do we think of it? It's okay. It's got lots of flaws, but it's got some good stuff going for it. Yeah, I would I would say it is good to great, but not amazing. I, I think I'm in the same boat. Um, so I've played the game the least, I would say. I'm about five hours in. I just uh, got to the second town. Uh, we're going to definitely avoid spoilers, so no need to worry about that. Um, and and i got to say, like, of course, everybody's been bringing this up about the game, and obviously it's the super distinct art style. I mean, this game is drop-dead gorgeous. I think aesthetically you can't do much better. Uh, in terms of the HD consoles, I I have to to butt in really quick because sure, sure, I love I love the art style of the environments. Mister Drippy is the most poorly designed character I have ever seen. He's what, you pretty mean the much nose with a lantern. Yeah, he's pretty much just a blob with a lantern on it. <laughs> See, I don't mind Mister Drippy. I mind the fact that he has one idle animation. I as as silly and nitpicky as that may seem, I don't like the fact that he. He literally has one idle animation. Now, so when you, whenever you're talking to somebody, he just does this like twirl and then fall down, and then three seconds later he starts it again, and then he starts. Maybe he's again. not very. Maybe he's not very graceful. But I would just like when you're going to spend this no. much money making your game look good, at least give him another freaking no. idle animation. What's interesting is like during cutscenes when Oliver is talking to people, he'll go do different stuff. Right, and it's actually in cutscenes, so. I understand that there's only one idle animation in whatever, you know, when when it's in-game, uh, you know, in-engine while you're just looking at text. But 
when you're just talking to fools. Whatever. I like Mr. Drippy. I like him too. Uh, so I don't like that he says tidy because I feel like they were really they were like, oh cool, he has a catchphrase. He says tidy because he's Welsh. And then I was like, all right, I like that. And then he said it again. And then he said it again. And then he said it again. And I was like, all right, it's tidy. So, I just hey. hear Statler and Waldorf going, is it tidy? Not as tidy as this game. No. Oh! I I uh. I, I'm going to not do this, but I'm going to tell you what I would do so you can imagine it is I'm going you have to imagine me yelling Nito every three minutes for the rest of the podcast. Believe it. Hey, it stops happening once you get three party members. I haven't heard Nito. I hear Nito like once every couple hours. See, maybe I got the version of the game where he doesn't say it very often, but he doesn't. Like, I, I don't hear him say it that often. But I, I agree with you guys that some of the translation job is a little grating. Um, Oliver himself, the main character, is definitely... Oh, John, how did you describe it on the message boards? Because I thought it was awesome. Nito! <laughs> John described oh. him as... Go ahead. No, he's he's Ron Howard on on the uh, the Andy Griffith show. Yeah, the Andy Griffith show. He's like this 1950s character of what a boy child should be like. It's it's really difficult for me to empathize with him because he's not anything like I would imagine a real child. I think they were. I think they were going for a timeless quality with especially the the um, faux American city. What's it called? Motorville or something like that? Yeah, Motorville. They're going for like a timeless 1950s quality, which I think is very endearing. And I think it's a cool idea. You don't see it very often in video games. But I do agree with you is that Oliver does kind of feel like he's just pushing the story forward right now. Like he, he doesn't. He refuses the call right at the beginning, which if you read the hero's journey, like he has to do that right away. But then within three seconds, he's like, oh, okay, this sounds like fun. So he has a motivation in the game. You know why he's going about doing what he's doing, but there's not really a whole lot to him. And I I think that is a little depressing. Uh, I think the real characterization comes through in the character designs and in the other characters in the game. I think they're a little bit more bringing to life the, the Studio Ghibli feel. I, I don't know. It's Ghibli, by the way. Is it really? Yeah. Okay, whatever. I don't care. But uh, it's... <clears throat> I don't know. I I feel like the girl's like, look at me! I'm the girl in the party. Well, is she the girl <laughs> in the party? Yes, but... Well, she's she's just, is. She's I, just I feel like the characters are over-genericized. <laughs> like, they're, they're meant to be tropes, and they're tropes... But they're nothing more. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I, I like this game a lot. I really do. And I don't want to. I don't want to be. I mean, I don't want to be too hard on it. Is what I was gonna say. But I'm not gonna mince my words or not say what I think about it. I. But I do feel like it tries really hard. Like I feel like they try to oversimplify to charm you, but it works in reverse. If that makes sense. Like, look how you know. Like this is a fantasy game. Look how fantasy it is. And look at these these character archetypes. And then there's never really anything else to it. I mean, I feel like each character has had a story arc because I'm I'm near the end of the game and nothing has really happened to make me care about these characters at all. Even Oliver, who's fine. They're all fine, but none of them are exciting in any way. And it's, I yeah, haven't a, been it surprised. It sounds a lot like, a, I mean, a lot of level five games. I mean, Dragon Quest notwithstanding, but like Rogue Galaxy, you have all these great setups with these 
you know, tropes and stuff, but then it never really goes anywhere. It's just, okay, yeah, Jaster is always just the roguish hero. The girl is just the girl. And I, I think that's a pretty common thing with level five. I, I think that I, I agree with you guys that the characters are maybe boring is the wrong word, but I'm not, I'm not falling in love with them They're just as typical. Yeah. They're just I, there. there, there was something really special about dragon quest eights character characters like those like yangus i i freaking loved him like i thought he was awesome i loved that entire cast i loved what they were all about i was expecting to have the exact same interaction with this cast and i'm not but at the same time i really really do like the world i love the monster designs in this game like up and down i find them to be hilarious i'm one of those guys that giggles when somebody is called like a uh, uh what's the robot rabbit thing called it's like a robot but it's actually a rabbit like i, I i'm oh, that guy so it has like it has like pun names like dragon or like rabbots right? yeah rabbots okay okay i i love that stuff that stuff I makes me giggle it makes john me giggle not. i know no uh well john is your mat your meowjesty <laughs> <laughs> that's him that's how you should have introduced him oh i missed a perfect opportunity <laughs> his majesty of rpg fan john hey, carroll hey look i've been playing vlr lately cat puns are all what's up so i i think the world is what i'm finding most interesting about nino kuni not so much the characters um to move away from that because that that's all the aesthetic stuff that's all the stuff that's really really fun but I think the thing that's really causing the most controversy with this game is it's either you like the battle system or you don't. And John and I, while we were waiting for everybody to jump online, I I was saying to John, I think this game's problem with its battle system and the reason why some people have been particularly harsh on it is I think this game does a terrible job of telling you how to play it. Excuse me. mm, A little burp there. Uh, To the the point where... um, John was saying that he doesn't like to play a game where he ends up having to control a character and cycle through menus in order to perform actions. Kingdom Hearts, like, yes, is is I hate that. But as I am cutting Rob off, as he's about to explain what I'm about to say, but <laughs> <clears throat> Rob mentioned to me that apparently you can control the menus using L2 and R2 while you move, and I had no idea. The game never told that to me. Yep, that is in the manual for the game, and I also saw it on a uh, Kotaku preview for Nino Kuni, and that's that's part of it. Is like I, I've gotten to some of the early boss fights in the game, and I really like if you don't have the rhythm down with this combat system where you're swapping characters in and out, and as soon as the stamina meter on your familiar starts to get low, you need to bring them out so that they can recover. You control Oliver because he can do a lot of damage very quickly with his spells, and you can get some distance between the enemies. You're constantly looking for green orb pickups to heal yourself or blue ones to recover your magic. There's a lot to this game's combat system, and I I can't tell if it's needlessly complicated or if it's brilliant yet, but I think the game is doing a crap job of telling me how to play it. I think that the game is sufficiently complex. Like... While it's a a game that has a very childish aesthetic, it does a really sufficient job at letting you min-max and really giving you depth to work with. It's not quite a tri-ace game, but it's got systems that function well. I think that, one, I have to agree with Rob, the game does a really, really bad job of explaining how things work. But I feel like if you take one or two elements out, like if you were to take Glimms out, 
I wouldn't feel so bad about the battle system. Like, and see, I, I, think, I think the glims are necessary. Uh, uh, what exactly are the glims? Are those the, the those are the orbs um, that that are randomly dropped in battle. If you do something well, like if you uh, if you block at the right time or if you you counter an enemy at the right time, you'll get these orbs to either heal yourself, recover your magic, or you get the giant wow orbs that are like these gold things that make you perform a special action i got one of those on a boss fight and it was awesome i was doing like eight damage to the boss i bust out this spell that does 145 and i was like oh yeah that's what strikes me as unbalanced not that the games that well the, the games games glim system is set up in such a way where i feel like a game should with with this many systems you should be able to function correctly without one of them to to kind of still make it work, especially in a game like Nino Kuni where you're you're provided with so many things and you have to pay attention to the active positioning of your character. Like I would have no problem with turn based games. Like complicated turn based games I love. You know, I could play Dynasty Tactics all day. But I run into an issue where you're requiring me to to pay attention to so much stuff in real time that it's difficult to make worthwhile decisions. Did let me ask you this, John? Did you like the battle system in the world ends with you? No, <laughs> oh, I hated that. Say because th- that's a similar situation where you have to basically be doing two things at once. And I mean, for me, I just basically mash buttons on the top screen. But I have. Uh, like, I think that was I, a complaint a lot of people had with that I game got, too. Was that I got about two thirds of the way through the world ends with you, and I got. I got up to like day seven on the second week and I ran into a battle that I just couldn't beat because I, I literally, I just couldn't pay attention to both things and you had to. And that was when I just abandoned the game. I think um, I agree with John. Typically, I don't like battle systems where there's too much going on. Uh, I remember when I didn't understand how to play Dragon Age One. I was getting my butt kicked at that game because I, I didn't really understand that I was supposed to pause and reassign things. But at least, at least that battle system let me do it. Oh, that's right. You didn't play Baldur's Gate. So yeah. I was like, I was like, why wouldn't you know that? Then yeah, like, exactly. Because I, I didn't play Baldur's Gate. Um, I think Nino Kuni. I haven't gotten another party member yet. I'm about ready to get my second party member, and that's when I really think I'm either going to fall in love with this battle system or I'm not, because like John's saying, there is a lot to consider at one time. I don't think it's as in depth as it, it gets easier when you get more party members because they do. Well, one, their AI sucks, but it still gives yeah. you an advantage. You can say, okay. Esther, I want you to heal me. And you know what? She will focus on healing. I th- I don't really feel like the extra party members have a lot of impact. It might also be because I, I've not equipped my familiars well enough or something, but I don't know. I feel like the upgrades that I make to the other two party members do almost nothing compared to what I do to Oliver because they make oh. their decisions so slowly. Well, yeah, unless the, it's healing. That's that's the thing. I I find that they're idiots. <laughs> but if you well, give yeah. if you give them a specific <laughs> task, they're okay at it. Yeah, you know what I think is uh, funny is that Rob is kind of okay with this, and I think that the combat system is in a lot of ways similar to Final Fantasy Thirteen, in that, yeah, you're issuing a command, but you're not exactly like you're not managing it down to the finest level. Like when you hit attack, 
your attack is, you know, like it's a delayed attack. And I really, really dislike that if an enemy like moves far away or one of oh, your party members I, familiars yeah. gets in between you and the enemy, then it'll mess up your animation and you won't attack at the right speed I, or like you'll... 100% agree with you, Derek. It, that it, is driving me nuts. It reminds me of another game that Namco is going to be publishing, which is, you know, any Tales of game. Yeah, but, Tales when you're on semi. But at least Tales when you're on semi, it does sort of what you want to do. I feel like sometimes you'll tell Oliver to do something like a basic attack and he'll just stand there. I'd be like, oh, yeah, there's an enemy over there. And then three seconds later, he'll go attack them. But it's it is kind of frustrating that enemies will kind of dodge you just because of basic movement that you have no control over. What I'm having trouble with is when I first throw my familiar out at the start of the battle, I tell him to attack somebody, and then the other enemy will move in front. And so now he can't attack the one that I told him to attack, so he's running up against him, like literally just pounding in front of him, yeah, and he's getting exactly attacked. that's exactly what I meant. Yeah, exactly. and I, I, I definitely see where you're coming from in terms of this battle system being reminiscent of Final Fantasy XIII. I think it's more interactive than 13 i think 13 is a more passive game uh not just because of the way that that the the battle system opens up to you but there are moments when i'm playing nino kuni where i'm like holy crap need to need to block and like i hit circle to break myself out of the attack animation hit l2 over to defend and then i hit defend and i feel like i actually defended i, I feel like there's more of a tactile feel there see i i actually have to disagree with you there because i ran into that a lot in final fantasy 13 and final fantasy 13 too where it's like oh that enemy has started his massive attack animation i need to turn everyone to sentinels right now yeah yeah i i think maybe it was the the grading wow i'm really not getting anything out of this battle system in 10 hours of gameplay i think if final fantasy 13 had opened up a little bit quicker and it had a more interesting world i think i would have been into it i know everybody speaks so highly about that combat system and you know what i think that that even if you didn't beat 13 which i know that you didn't nope 13-2 despite its totally crazy ass story does a much better job with the battle system and and enhances it even more and you get access to pretty much everything you know, within a couple hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, even the demo showed that, I mean, they, they went, they made pretty big strides with that. Oh, yeah. I, I think the other thing that I wanted to bring up is that uh, John's talked before that he wasn't a big fan of Xenoblade. And I think as much as, um, it, it's kind of interesting to play these two games because I think Xenoblade is more technically impressive even though it is on the lesser console, air quote, lesser, lesser console there. Because I... I really got spoiled by Xenoblade's, you know, enemies roaming the environment and you don't have to break into a battle animation to or a battle arena in order to fight them. I love that about Xenoblade. Xenoblade has the same kind of combat system where all the gears are working, like John was saying with Nino Kuni, like and if one gear breaks, you're absolutely screwed. But the way Xenoblade handles that is that if you overlevel in that game and it's extremely easy to overlevel, then you can just tank everything in the game and you'll be like two to three levels over the boss and you won't even have to worry about tactics because your characters are all so powerful they can handle it. And that that's a negative for me too. Yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, at the end of Xenoblade, where I was trying to rush through the game, I was then under leveled, and I quite literally couldn't do any damage to the enemies. So it's kind of like, I think Xenoblade got away from that by completely unbalancing itself. Meanwhile, Nino Kuni can be really freaking hard, 
and I still feel like I can get away from the battles. I feel like I can I can manage to fight through. But I think if they were just like one or two more levels above where they are now, I would be completely screwed and I would have given up on the game. Because like when you walk into a new area, the enemies go from being like, oh, they're cakewalks to whoa. Well, I, I think it's kind of funny. And we talked about this a little <laughs> bit before the show was when you go into the desert before Al-Mamoud. Al-Mamoud, is that the city? Al-Mamoud. I think Alma Moon. Okay. You go into the desert before Alma Moon and the game pretty much goes, Hey, you should run away from battles because you're not going to be strong enough to beat these guys. <laughs> and they are right. <laughs> and, yeah, no, they're right. If you go into battle, you get your, your butt kicked, but I feel like that's poor design. I would agree. I would agree. I, I think, um, Nino Kuni to me is the JRPG, and I want to I want to talk for a second about some of the response to this game, but I want to get my thesis out here. Your I think like an academe. I have a thesis here. Um, my students listen to this podcast on a on occasion. That's a shout out to my D period class right there. Uh, I think Nino Kuni is the natural. Uh, excuse me, Nino Kuni is the traditional Japanese role playing game, warts and all. It has the big, huge world that is just ripe for exploration. It has a pretty intense combat system. But it also has some of the stuff that we don't like, like the wall of text at the start of every quest, regardless of what you're going to get from it. But you got to sit through this wall of text before you interact with a character. Now, I, I don't always think that's a bad thing, but when it's implemented badly, I don't like that. Like Paper Mario has really entertaining text. It's enjoyable to read that, whereas in some games you get, like like my spoon analogy, you get the long story of the woman with her magical spoon collection and how she made great soup, and bubble, 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 and then finally, hey, can you find me a spoon? Yeah, this, this game does that a little bit, but what I find interesting is that a lot of people are attacking this game for that, and then I'm the one guy in the back who puts up my hand and goes, uh, and Zelda gets away with this, why? No, that was, no. Nope. I we, don't give Zelda we, a pass for yeah, that in Skyward we Sword. Did, we didn't let it pass for that, but I'm saying... I love Skyward Sword, but that was so aggravating. Yeah, I, I think this... This I, I think it's actually gotten worse with every consecutive Zelda. <laughs> I would agree. I, I think Nino Kuni is. I'm probably going to finish it. Uh, I think when I when I start to get the second and third party member, that's when I'll make my decision as to whether or not I am going to finish it. I'm liking what I'm playing right now. Um, I, I have to give a shout out to this game's music, which is holy crap. Like this game's soundtrack is immaculate. Its overworld theme is yeah. That, that, I was just gonna say, world map theme is on point. I, I could it's literally uh, listen to that all day. Um, that's just and the world map it, in general is amazing. And that would be, everything uh, everything about this game's world map is like what I want in a game. Steven, you're trying to get in there. Oh, I was just gonna say it's composed by Joe Hisaishi, which is the guy who does most of Ghibli's films. He he just uh, he knocks it out of the park with this soundtrack, and I am having fun with this game. I'm having a very good good time with it. For me, on our scale, this is like an eighty or an eighty-five, where it's it's a perfectly good game. I'm really enjoying it. It's doing some things that are kind of annoying me, and I don't think it is the the great white hope as people are putting it online right now. I don't think it's perfect, but you know what? Where well, I'm, I, go okay. ahead, uh, go ahead, John. I, I don't want to get too far. I think that what it is is that it's, in the view of most people, it's a perfectly competent JRPG with a big budget. 
And so people really want it to succeed because it's it they they view it as kind of the bastion of the genre. Yeah, like it'll they, show. You, you you get games like Final Fantasy thirteen that have kind of taken a ninety degree turn, a and ninety degree turn or a one hundred and eighty degree. I'm just kidding. Or it, it's some some kind of tangential. <laughs> But it's it's not kind of the standard RPG, and I think people want this to be successful because it's proof that, yes, people will buy RPGs if they're out there. Yeah. I, I think this game represents what I really miss about big-budget console JRPGs. We've had tons of JRPG releases, but they've mostly been on handhelds, and that's great. Like There have been some really good games. We were talking about Fire Emblem at the start of this. I want to play Fire Emblem. I'm about ready to buy a 3DS just to play Fire Emblem. Uh, and I think that's great that they've found a home there. But there is something that I really miss about like one of my earliest gaming memories is sitting down and playing Fantasy Star or Final Fantasy VII. And I love those kind of games. I love these big budget JRPGs. And I, yeah. I would really like us to go back to that on the consoles. You can get engrossed in a console television game, I think, a little bit more easily than a handheld game. Like, a handheld game is fun. You know, you'll be immersed. You'll have fun. You know, but sitting down with a big TV at a couch and just playing a game for a couple of hours is a lot more conducive if you're on a console, I think. Yeah, and so that's what that's what Nino Cooney represents to me is that this is this is what I want, and yeah, I, I I don't think the game's perfect. I mean, this game is not Chrono Trigger for God's sake. It it is not perfect, um, but it's it's a good game, and I'm having a good time with it. But I want this. Uh, I, I, we talked a little bit, and I, I I'm not going to call out Bob Mackie. I, I read his article on One Up, and I totally see where he's coming from. He he points out the fact that there have been tons and tons of JRPGs released, but I think what he's missing is my growth is the console JRPG. And that's why I'm really satisfied that Nino Kuni has come out. No, it's not perfect, but I would like to see the JRPG kind of return to prominence on the consoles. That's what I'd like to see. And if this is a, a little step forward, I'm not saying that people need to go out and buy this game. I'm not saying that you need to love it, but if you're looking for it, give it a try and see if you like it. I think I think your enjoyment of Dragon Quest VIII will play a part in how much you like this game. I still think Dragon Quest VIII is a better game, but this is this is a, a damn good game. I'm having a good time with it, but I, I, I think it will be easily forgotten by me in a year. I, I believe what happened was the Xbox 360 launched and Square went gung-ho with rpgs i mean you had infinite undiscovery in the last remnant and star ocean 4 and one more that i'm forgetting uh and, and then you also had, had the Mistwalker games yeah you had blue blue dragon and lost odyssey and with the exception of lost odyssey none of those games were particularly successful in north america sales wise and even lost odyssey didn't do that great and i feel like that's when Square, which, you know, you I, I'm looking at my PlayStation 2 games right now, and it's taking up, you know, Square's games are literally, you know, a, a quarter of what I've got over here. And them taking a step back kind of took out the biggest name, and we're going to put huge budgets into our RPGs, and it pulled back. You even had the really bad strategy games for Xbox 360, like Operation Darkness and Spectral Force 3, was that the one where where Nazis were fighting werewolves? That that was uh, Operation Darkness, yeah. Okay, okay, cool. <laughs> and I I just feel like 
that that kind of crashed the market a little bit for these big budget games. And I, at least in, in regards to localization, you know, you still see some in Japan, but it, it's mostly the stuff like Artsanelico and Hyperdimension Neptunia and the games from those kind of niche developers where, yeah, they're on the consoles, but it's not a large company putting a multi-million dollar budget into this game. Oh. Yep. It's not a triple-A game. Like, you know, Neptunia, yeah. you know, pe- people like it, but it's not designed to be... Yeah. Uh, Derek, you were trying to get in there a minute ago? No. Oh, okay. I thought you were. I thought you... <laughs> no, no I, th- I thought you It's were. a good game. I don't I feel like we're probably coming off as really negative on this game. Yeah, and I, and I, I, I know that Rob and I... I mean, John likes it too, right? It's just... I, I, I like it to a lesser extent that everyone else likes it. I, I can see where there's good in it, but I'm, I, I am frustrated with a lot of elements. But yeah, I do feel like we came off negative there because I think what's on our mind right now is the things that are wrong with the game. Mm-hmm. And it's difficult to go, okay, this is what's right when the, with the game when what's right with the game is a lot of really standard RPG elements. Like, we mm-hmm. talked about how we liked the environments a lot and the game is gorgeous, but the things that the game does competently and, you know, you look at that and you go, okay, yeah, I get that, is the stuff that we take for granted because it's in every RPG. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. And, uh, you know, I'm having fun with this game, and I'm going to continue to tool around with it. I'm, I'm enjoying it. You know, Bioshock Infinite doesn't come out for another 54 days, so that means I, I have plenty of time to finish this game up. But I, I would say, you know, give it a shot. If you're looking for a nice big-budget JRPG on the console, I think it's it's a lot of fun. So. Neato. 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 Okay. Believe it. Uh, can I can I take a sidetrack here and talk about this commercial that I saw for a video game last night that made me want to hurl? Just real quick. If this okay. is a, you know Which what game? it's gonna you know what it's gonna be, Stephen. So <sighs> so some some songs go very very well with video games. Um, I could probably think of about ten video games that uh, "In the Air Tonight" by Phil Collins would go well with. Not Dead Space. Not Dead Space. <laughs> To see a Dead Space commercial with In the Air Tonight, a cover version of In the Air Tonight, I might mention. Note to developers and marketers. What the hell? Just because you make a dark, scary sounding guy sing a song doesn't make the lyrics not ridiculous. You know, you know what? Especially, <laughs> we, we get it. There's, there's monsters in Dead Space. It's in the air. We get it. Okay. There's. Sorry, I'm going to rant. <laughs> Thank you, EA, for ruining my favorite. All right, that's not my favorite, but it was awesome. I, the you look but at we're the off topic. I know, but the original Dead Space trailer, just real quick, the original Dead Space trailer with the twinkle, twinkle little star, that was scary. That was well done. Hearing some dude sing in the air tonight poorly, and of course, you know they have to put the drum beat into it. The do 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 do. Jackie has to turn it off whenever it comes on TV because my blood pressure literally builds up. Yeah. <laughs> and let's not forget, hey, look, the guy who's not Isaac has red because he's co-op, so you know who your teammate. <laughs> I actually thought that the the use of um, uh, Smashing Pumpkins on the on the Dead Space 2 commercial was actually okay. That was all right. But that was still getting like, all right, you guys are getting close. Anywho. Why are we talking about this? I, I don't know. You know, it what, just, game, it, you know what game has a great commercial? Is the online commercial I've been seeing for Fire Emblem. Ooh, are we allowed to talk about Fire Emblem right now, or are we going to wait? 
Well, I was just going to say it has like, an we, awesome we can, Like, none of us have played it yet. I Nobody who's... Play it. <laughs> I played the demo. You, you played the demo, but the game is not... When we're recording this, the game is not out for another five days. I want it. Uh, so I guess Steven and I have to throw down on Path of Exile, then. I, yeah, if you, you want that. If you want to talk about more clicky games... That's the point, is I, I don't think I want to anymore. I'm so clicked out. I'm all out of clicks. I think Rob just doesn't like Path of Exile because he doesn't want to admit that another game did something better than Diablo 3. I really hope you're kidding, dude, because as hard as I've been on Diablo 3, I think you, I hope you realize that I want a really good game. I think so Path of Exile, we we actually had uh the one of the developers from Path of Exile on an earlier show, and I really like it. It, it like what they're the idea of what they're doing here. They're trying to make a really dark, gritty, isometric act- what they succeeded. They're trying to make this really dark, gritty, isometric action RPG in the fl- in the realm of Diablo 2. Uh, a lot of people are heralding this as the Diablo 3 that you want. It features probably the most massive passive skill tree I've ever seen in my life. It takes the sphere grid and opens it the hell up and says, "Has f- have fun. And then it features... You can tell that these guys are Final Fantasy fans because then it also features little pieces of stone that you put in your weapons and armor that give you abilities and you can and there are linked slots where you can put support gems in all of that stuff is great i i love the idea of having this massive skill tree and having huge player interaction and being able to develop whatever character you want but god i just don't give a crap about this world and i think the game i think the game's art style is terrible i hate to say it i think See, it's awful I, I gotta fight you on that you've only done like the first two areas like Three. i got done the, the you've done the cave. beach the other beach and the cave and it's just brown well, let's look at diablo 2 you have the forest, the other forest, and the cave. I, I argued with you about this before, though, because at least in Diablo 2, you have some interesting enemies to fight at the start of the game. I agree with you. It's a little boring at the start of Diablo 2 in terms well, of structure. Well, but, truth be told, I didn't think it was boring there either. No, but but I think that what path my problem with Path of Exile is like at the beginning of the game, you're just fighting dudes in rags and giant ticks, and you you're basically walking around as a character with a bucket on your head. And well, like and like yeah. a garbage pail hanging from your chest. Well, like, you're in exile. I I just and, don't and, and like yes, it. The, the first two areas, you just fight dudes, even though you just fight zombies in the and first giant area. ticks. Don't forget the giant ticks. Yes. Well, then you get to the third area, and you're fighting like Cthulhu. And the the monster design gets very creative, and I I think you're doing yourself a disservice by not getting further into it and playing it co-op with me because nobody. Well, yeah. <laughs> but anyway. The, yes, the first couple areas, it's brown, and I wasn't terribly thrilled with it, but then you get to, like, a ship graveyard, and they have these really cool, like, firefly things floating around. It's not generic at all, a ship graveyard. Nah. 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 Like, Diablo 3 I, isn't generic. Yeah, dude, let's be honest. That's Diablo sick. 3's story is worse than this game's, and the art design of Diablo 3 is fantastic, but it's also generic. I think, I think my... So, like, the art design thing, I can agree, is a, is a totally subjective thing, and to me, this is like Dark Souls if you just pulled the camera up isometric. I'm sure this game would look amazing if it was, like, going for a deeply immersive feel. I feel like it would be really oppressive and dark. There's almost, like, a Silent Hill quality to the game that I, I think I could really get into, but when you 
when you make it isometric, it's like, well, your art design just went out the window. Like, I, I don't care that you spent all this time uh, making this dude in rags because it looks like crap from far away. I, I don't necessarily think that having isometric angles hurts things. I mean, we're not going to go into great detail about uh, Aka, Aka Neiro. I, I'm going to say that slowly every time because otherwise I won't mispronounce it. <laughs> Which has a very distinct art style and Absolutely. and does what it does there very well. And it's all from an isometric angle. No, no, no. It's not the isometric thing that's a problem. But, like, remember with, with Diablo 3, they said they tried to go for a really realistic look with the 3D engine. And the the screenshots that they've released, like, it, it looks generic. Granted, that was 10 years ago, so, of course, it's not going to look that good now. But they said it was really hard to distinguish what was going on, and it didn't look very appealing. And so they went with the slightly more Blizzard, cartoony, stylized look. And I think that looks really, really good with the isometric angle. It's very easy to pick things out. It's very easy to tell what's going on. This game just looks like a giant pile of brown mush interacting with each other. Well, I feel like any game, if you try to go hyper-realistic, it becomes a lot of browns and greens because that's kind of what we look like. That's what that's what life looks like. Yeah. Life is brown. Well, the thing – and with that, though, Rob, you get past that first couple areas and then you're in – like, Act 2 is a jungle and – it's dense jungle. There are trees everywhere that actually factor into how you have to use your moves. Like, you know, you can't shoot people through trees. So if you're an archer, you can kite people around. You've got, like, apes climbing down off the trees and, like, jumping on you and pounding you in the head and just, like, really dense vegetation everywhere. It still has that very dark fantasy look to it. But, you know, you get such a variety of areas. And then you get, like, you know, when you start going into the dungeons later, yeah, the caves are brown and generic looking. But then you get into, like, a ruin and there's, like, just really tiny details everywhere just like books on the floor and like just everything looks like it was put there intentionally which is impressive since it's randomly generated and i think i think it's like it'd be like playing diablo 2 without the expansion and doing just the blood raven quest and being like wow that was just generic that's fair um i think so the art design is one thing. I think the other thing that's that's really getting to me, and I know you also disagree with me on this, Stephen. And dude, <laughs> once again, I, I'm really glad you like this game. Please don't get me wrong, but like, you're gonna like it soon too. Okay, I'm make you. I, like I just I think the combat is just sluggish and slow, and compared to all the cool stuff that was going on in Diablo three very early on in the game, where I'm I'm throwing jars of spiders at people. That's and my that's most what you favorite did for the ability first... of all time. That's up there. Any dude. game. <laughs> Are you being yeah, but serious? Dude, that's now? what you were doing. <laughs> I love that ability. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's just clank, clank. <laughs> I I hate spiders, but yeah, that was cool. I was a wizard. You know what I was doing for the first ten levels? I was shooting magic missiles. I haven't done that before ever. And yes, the wizard was awesome. I love that class. And Diablo 3 has a very strong design in its skills because everybody's going to get the same skills at the exact same level every time. And that's why that game broke at the end. Because no matter how much Blizzard tried, even with all their patches, there's still a best build. If you're an Inferno trying to do something, there is a best skill for you to be using. And to not use that skill, you're going to die. I, and you're going to go... And the like. I, I think the problem we're running into is that you're saying... Hey, at level one and to level six, this game's combat is slow, and I don't have a lot of options. I mean, that's a lot of RPGs. That's 
I, you know what game does a really good job at kind of making it so that there's not a, a custom, you know, a, a specific build is Rift. Um, I've been playing, yeah. I've been playing Rift more because I, I've been trying to get into Steam or uh, Storm Legion content to to do uh, some coverage on it. And that game's skill trees are set up in such a way where if you want to make like a tank cleric, you can't. Like it's it's built in such a way where you put points into trees and there's like four or five options for every tier. And depending on which which, you know, tree you put your skills into, you get different abilities and it's really set up in a unique way. And I think that that there's a lot in Rift that's generic, too, but I feel like it doesn't get the credit it deserves. I I actually. I played Rift for a little while, like way back in the day. I don't remember exactly when, but that's something I really like that they did is that you have this opportunity to be creative when you're building your character. So it's not like, you know, with Diablo 3, again, I love that game, but there's no creativity involved with your character. There's find the highest int item for the wizard and you're level 60. These are the skills you're using. And with Rift, I agree. That was definitely the vibe I got. And there's a very similar setup in Path of Exile because you can say... All right, I'm looking at the skill tree. There are passives to make me cast really fast. There are passives that make me attack really fast. I can make a mage with a ton of health and then get skills where I can run around and beat people with, you know, magical melee weapons. You know, so you can look at, you know, you have this opportunity to be creative and come up with a build that sounds cool to you as opposed to just being told, you're a wizard, that's what you do. Mm -hmm. I think... um... The metagame aspect of Path of Exile is probably the only thing that would keep me coming back to this game because the idea of all of these different builds is certainly appealing. Uh, I don't know how the respec system works. I didn't play long enough to get to that. But I, I think they have a system in place so that you can respec. But You you get two points. Uh, I believe you get six points per difficulty. And every point lets you take one skill out. So you can't totally rebuild your character. But say you're going for lightning and you picked up an ability off to the left that you didn't need, you can get rid of that. Okay. I just don't find the combat to be appealing. And I get your argument, Stephen, that it's going to get better. And you're right. A lot of games, they, they limit your options at the start. Well, here's but, a good example. And the one that I, I pulled up. Finish, dude. Okay. <laughs> I know you love this game. I know, but like, I don't think, I don't think you're hearing me. I think, I think you're, Dude, I love you. Don't get me wrong, but I think you're dismissing me a little bit here. I I just feel like when I'm hitting something in this game with a skill, something is lacking. It doesn't feel like it's connecting. It doesn't feel visceral. It feels very, very passive in the way that Diablo 2 felt even more extreme than Diablo 2, and I think that the smackability, for lack of a better word, is something that they really worked on with Diablo 3, and they made isometric action combat, RPG combat, feel visceral, and I just wish this game 
had that feeling. I, I wish it had that tactile feeling. I quite literally feel like I'm clicking things when I play this game, whereas in, in Diablo 3, I felt like I was unleashing an unholy army of the night with spiders and hands clawing people and freaking Molotov cocktails coming at things. There was something very visceral about that, and I feel like this game doesn't have it, and it it's like John says, why would I click on something? I hear my mouse clicks in this game, and I readily feel the mouse clicks. It just doesn't feel like I'm doing anything literally more than clicking. I, I, I don't know how else to describe it. It just doesn't feel... It doesn't feel like I have a connection with this game. It just feels like it's it's like a browser game. I hate to say that. It just... Ugh. I agree with you on the Diablo 3 aspect. That game feels fantastic. But I also think this game feels that way. Like, I just played a browser game. Trust me, it doesn't feel like a browser game. It... it I know exactly what quality of clickiness you're talking about. I just don't agree that Path of Exile has that quality. Maybe I, I, maybe I haven't had maybe I haven't found the right scare the and, right character class. Maybe I just haven't found my thing yet. I mean, it's possible you may not like it, but I, I think again, I'm sorry, Dave. I think Torchlight Two has that really, really like you hit stuff and it's like, oh wow, look at that, my little blue ball hit that guy. Cool. So, I mean, I know what you're saying. I just, I don't necessarily think Path of Exile has that. I think there are games, you know. But. Well, everyone likes clicking things in different ways. I prefer clicking things by mashing one. <laughs> At the very least, Path of, <laughs> Path of Exile is free. So that's freaking awesome. And uh, I do find it interesting that so many people saying how awesome this game is. Not you, Steven, because you and I actually made fun of this, too. Everybody's saying how awesome Path of Exile is and how this should have been Diablo 3. Um, if, yep. I'm, if I'm not mistaken, this is also an always-on online game. I actually, some guy in the general chat in Path of Exile was like, oh, this is so much better than Diablo 3, because that's basically, they either talk about politics or how crappy Diablo 3 is. Yeah, a lot They're of politics right? talk. Yeah, what? I don't get it. Yeah, but, you know... That aside, some guy goes, oh, Diablo 3, yeah, and always online, we need single player. And I just, I, I wrote, I go, this game doesn't have single player. And he, he was just like, yeah, well, yeah, I, I didn't expect it in this game. I'm like, oh, here we go. Yeah, like. And then I just pointed out that the internet likes to hate Diablo 3. I think the internet has a reason for hating Diablo 3. Maybe hate's a strong word, but I, I think people have a legitimate beef with Diablo 3, and Lord knows I hope they make it better, but that really irks me that really irks me that people are still complaining about always on and the always on online component with diablo 3 and then path of exile comes out and it's like hipster diablo all over again i think the perception of a series has a lot to do with it like i have well, complaints with diablo 3 and i love diablo 3 my complaints are i think they can fix it by totally gutting the item system and just rebuilding it because i think it doesn't work the way it is it functions, but it doesn't get to what I find addictive about Diablo. Di Diablo. Diablo? I blew myself. Let's, let's try not to talk anymore I, about Diablo 3 or else people are going to come after us. So let, I, I'm not trying to cut you off, Stephen. Finish up your point that I don't want to talk about Diablo 3 until the yeah, expansion comes yeah, and out. I, but then I think there are people who are just like, oh, I hate Blizzard because Blizzard is big and rich and blah, pa pandas are terrible and WoW is crap now and everything Blizzard makes is crap and StarCraft was disappointing and... I think there are just people who want to hate it because it's Blizzard and they work with Activision now. Admittedly, pandas are terrible. I actually really liked Pandaria. I, I know you did. I was I was being funny. I heard people really <laughs> dug the Pokemans thing in that. Okay. No, 
the boogeyman stuff is great. Um, oh, I suppose I should stop playing Rift and uh, make it so that we are doing some new stuff. Yeah, we got lots and lots of news to talk about right now. Uh, yeah. Do we, All right. Do we want to start with Nintendo coming out swinging? Yeah. yeah what's up with that, dude? <laughs> they just showed up and said, "Wow, man." Here's some games that are coming out. It didn't uh what's his face do a deep bow? Like didn't he do the deep bow like I'm sorry we didn't have any games coming out in January or February. Oh, um yeah, the 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 Nintendo Iwata. Japan president. Yeah, I think Iwata did the the deep bow. But it wasn't the I'm I'm humbled deep bow. It's the screw all of you guys. How do you like me now? Deep bow. Yeah, it wasn't the deep bow of I'm sorry we lost all your credit card information. <laughs> It wasn't the Sony deep bow, but it was a deep bow. But yeah, so Nintendo comes out swinging, and uh, we got a new Zelda game, right? My yeah, favorite three Zelda, no less. Eventually, but we got uh, Wind, oh, Waker. Wind Waker, yeah, yeah, Wind uh, Waker HD. It looks so pretty. Here's what I love. Here's what I love. Okay, I will freely admit that when I first saw the Wind Waker, I was laughing and I thought it looked like crap. I will freely admit that I thought it looked like crap. And then when I played that game, I was like, "All right, you you did good. This is pretty. This is pretty awesome to see this emotion." So yeah, I'm a convert, and I think Wind Waker looks incredible. But I will at least admit that I thought it looked like crap. And now everybody's talking about how this is like the best Zelda game ever. I'm like, "Where? Do you remember the uproar <laughs> when this game was first announced?" I remember Penny Arcade's comic was the best because they had the one where it was like the guy on the internet message board. And it was like, "Lol, Zelda, more like Zelda." Uh, so we got Wind Waker HD. Uh, they they talked about they, this was the the big news story I wanted to talk about was the uh, they they are apparently going back to the drawing board whatever that means with Zelda. They're they're throwing out everything that they've ever done with Zelda and they're gonna they're, okay, they're they didn't they're, say that but well they're they're looking at everything. I th- yeah, I like think the, what they're, they're doing is they're not going to follow the everything has to be exactly like Link to the Past, which has been every Zelda game since Link to the Past. Yep. Yeah, like one of the examples they gave was well having to complete dungeons in a set order. And that sounds really cool because then you run into like a Mega Man style thing where, oh, it's the best order to complete these dungeons in. Well, but you'll probably I think it's more I I hate to say this, but I think it's more that you'll be able to go into Dungeon 3 before you do Dungeon 2, but you might not be able to get very far in Dungeon 3. Because you because you haven't beat Hookshot Man yet. Yeah, I, I, I think it's gonna, <laughs> I think it's kind of I don't know, John, I can't tell if you're being funny or not, but I, I think it's going to be like that where you don't have the tool from Dungeon 2. So well, guess and, what? You can only go for like the first three rooms but, but, of Dungeon 3. You know, there are games that do that very well, where it's yeah. they cut off exploration to you because you don't have whatever. Yeah. But yeah, no, there's like Hookshot Man, Archery Man, Bomb Man, know, Bomb Man. Actually, some of these could actually and probably are Mega Man bosses. Yeah, Sheep Man. Uh, and uh, then they, they talked about the potential of multiplayer. Um, you know, Zelda, to me, I, I totally agree with John's statement, is that I've been playing the same Zelda games since, what, 1992? It's It's been a while, and like as much as I love some of these Zelda games, I don't love all of them, but like I, I've really liked a few of them. I think, Major, I think Majora's Mask was the first one to really try to do something new, and I, I, I would like to see Zelda become more a series of not not like scariness, not horror, but I want it to feel like I remember holding the controller in my hand playing the original Zelda and being really nervous and like not knowing if I was going to be able to beat that skeleton like in this room just full of like whatever the random enemies in Zelda were called. 
and now Zelda Zelda's become so like easy and the combat's not really any element to the game anymore. I would like it to be like, all right, dude, you're in this dungeon. You got a limited amount of health. Go to it. So I, I got to go back a little bit because you just said multiplayer for Zelda and it was like, yeah, multiplayer. You know what? The the GameCube Four Swords was fun. When, as hell. <laughs> when you played it with Game Boys, it was awesome. Yeah, yeah it was. And now we'll just all have Wii U game pads, except what they can only use two of them on the... two. Yeah, well, but you know what you oh, get. Cool. The the I I think the Wii U stuff is much better for asymmetric gameplay. Like yeah. if Namco doesn't port Pac Man Versus to the Wii U as a downloadable title, <sighs> oh that I'm game gonna, is so good. I'm gonna drive to Japan and punch them. I've I've been no no, no. I, I don't think you understand. I'm going not, I'm not going to fly to Japan. I'm going to drive to Japan. <laughs> The um, I I've been really getting into uh, asymmetric gameplay myself. Uh, one of my colleagues at school, we picked up the card game Netrunner, and we've been playing that so much. I I think you're right. I think the Wii U, you could do some really really cool stuff in terms of asymmetric gameplay. One person on the Wii U pad, one person using the controller on the screen. Pac-Man versus is a perfect example. These are the kind of things that need to distinguish the Wii U from the other consoles. I think it's all coming. I think, unfortunately, it's going to be like with the 3DS and the DS. It's going to take some time to get there. Which I have to totally give a shout-out to Fantasy Flight. Their their living card games are awesome. I haven't been able to play yet, but I got the Netrunner, like the core box or whatever. Oh, and It's so mostly, good! Mostly based on John's recommendation and the fact that the art on the cover is awesome. Dude, it is so good. Like that, I'm on a real sci-fi kick now. Ever since that cyberpunk trailer, and yes, a big shout out to if and it's cheap as hell too. You can get it for like 25 bucks off of uh, various uh, gaming shops. It, it, Great. Pretty much, it, and they have several of them. There's like a Cthulhu one. There's a Lord of the Rings one. There's a Star Wars one that just came out. Pretty much if you like playing collectible card games, Magic the Gathering, Yu-Gi-Oh, any of those kinds of games, and you're tired of spending crap loads of money, grab these because they have set, like, you have, you know, like the base set has like, I don't know, 250 cards, something like that. Maybe less. Uh, yeah, it's, it's something like that. And uh, you can and then, get the boosters afterward. Yeah, but when you buy a booster, it's not like buying a magic booster where you buy it and there's 160 cards in the set and you get 15. You get 60 cards in every booster and it's the same cards in every booster, but it's it's essentially you get three sets of 20 cards and you use those to build your deck. Yeah, it, it is a really awesome card game. I, I think this this is one of those things that I'd like to see somebody like. Uh, there's various card games on on video like video game versions of card games like the Magic the Gathering games. This is a perfect candidate, and I, I really really enjoy it. And to get back to the to get back on task with the asymmetric gameplay, I think there's nothing wrong with that. And it, it kind of gets to what we've been talking on the boards a little bit about balance. And it's like by trying to make out everything balanced, you stop making things special. Yeah, I'm going to write an editorial on that. I've been messing around with it, but really, like, that unpredictability and just that whole aspect of chaos is what makes it fun. I mean, not everything works well that way. Like, you don't want a fighting game to be unbalanced, but... 
Well, I mean, you, I, I look at some of my favorite games in regards to looking back and thinking, you know what, I really had fun playing those, and I get a lot of Tri-Ace games in my head. I get, you know, Valkyrie Profile 2 and Star Ocean 2, and even though the story was awful, Star Ocean 4, and these are all games that had totally breakable systems, because let's be honest here, if you're playing a Tri-Ace game, nothing is going to be balanced. And... I, 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 I was going to agree with you. I just remember Star Ocean 2 getting the, the one sword after the arena and just breaking the game in half. That's why a lot of people have uh, – the, the groundswell that's kind of been picking up in recent years for Final Fantasy VIII, you know, the, the, the much-hated Final Fantasy for so long, and now people are kind of looking at it with a more positive light. And the, the main reason I'm reading why people love it is because it is so breakable. They're like, if you sit down and plan out your characters, you can have Squall just super-powered like five <laughs> hours into the game. Like, it's he's like, a god. It's like, oh, you're I, outside, Balam? That's funny, you have 255 strength. You know, I, I there's really only one reason to like that game, and it's Triple Triad. I'm oh. just saying. Oh, well, I, I, you I, actually like Triple Triad, or are you being facetious? Cause tri- no, Triple you- Triad is awesome. Okay, it's a fun Sick. card game. I, I hate it. Triad. I hate it when the game cheats, but <laughs> the, um, game, the game just hardcore cheats where they're like making up rules and stuff. I hate that crap. But anywho, so more Nintendo stuff. Go play uh, Netrunner. Go get Netrunner. I need someone to play it with. I dude, when we're at when I'm at E3 next year, I, I'm playing with you. So, so you just gotta wait a year. <laughs> more more Nintendo stuff. Um, there is a new Xenoblade looking thing. Holy crap what i think it looks more like it, you know, I, it's monster hunter but still it, it, it's 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 like fantasy star online but xenoblade whoa like but but that game made a damn statement like you know, whoa <laughs> even if it's not a single player xenoblade sequel or like a, a xenoblade sequel where other people can take control of the teammates i would still play a game set up like xenoblade that's you know, designed to be like Fantasy Star Online, I I think that would be awesome. So yeah. you you would play an MMO? No, I, <laughs> Fantasy I, Star Online is clickings just without a mouse. I I really really liked Xenoblade. Uh, I said in my review that I I really did wish it was on HD consoles to see just these big open lush <laughs> fields to see characters running around it. Uh, Xenoblade to me has spoiled me so much. I said it in the Nino Cooney part. I don't want to go into a random battle anymore after playing Xenoblade. I'm like, I, I want the battle to take place right there. I want to grab Rob and smack him because the things he's like, oh man, I love these things. I like being able to explore a living world is like every MMO ever. And I tried to play Guild Wars and eventually I got bored of the combat. Just like I got very far in Xenoblade. And I, I actually wanted to say this in the Nino Cooney portion, but I was afraid that Derek was going to cut me. I think Xenoblade shows you everything in the first few hours and you're and you'll really, really enjoy it, but then eventually it starts to like, wow, you don't really have anything new to show me. Nope. I think that's where that game suffers a little bit. Meanwhile, Nino Kuni spends a little too much time not showing you stuff, but then you get excited when something new opens up. That that was just a thing. Like Xenoblade hit me over the head with like every freaking mechanic that the game works with, and then it doesn't really have anything new to show you after that. It's kinda like, yeah, here's everything. Lord of the Rings well, Online had an awesome world to explore. Progression in that, at least. Yeah, like, there is the progression. You know, like learning new skills, skill trees, new characters. And... I, I did feel like the skill trees were still a little bit like, okay, now it takes a minute and uh, one, one second and 1.3 seconds to cool down instead of 1.4. But still, I, I did love the game. I just, I, 
anywho, the new we don't need to talk about Xenoblade. Whatever but, that thing was, but the new the, one looks awesome. Yeah, and then when he got into the mech, I was just like, done. I'm, I'm Dude, in. in. When he got when he got into the gear, I was like, please let me these be customizable. Please let me name mine Alpha Welltall. And yeah, that's pretty much all I need. Yeah, and and I, I don't care if you crucify a furry. I don't care. I want this game. I want it now. Take my money, please. Whoa. I, I do think uh, and see I, I I say all that and then I and then I'm going to complain about the internet reaction with oh my god but it just it got me excited it got me excited to see like this reminded me of like those old school clips that used to filter out of E3 before we had like the huge amount of coverage and like we'd be sitting at home and we'd see like a 30 second trailer and we're like what the hell was that I don't know what that was what the hell was that I want to know more like this this had that feeling when we saw it I'm pretty sure we're going to see more of it if not at E3 definitely Tokyo Game Show and it just it got me excited in a way that I haven't been excited about a video game for a while where you see a snippet and I I thought that looked great and I got to give him credit too for immediately calling out the composer I was like wow that's that's rare and awesome. Yeah, but it's going to be Xeno something or other. I, I think it's pretty uh, – I mean, Xenoblade 2 most likely, but it's going to be Xeno something or other. Or it will be a retelling of Xenogears. Which Dear awesome. God, no. Please, please. <laughs> no. I can't go through that sewer level again. Please. I, I still have nightmares about that sewer level. Please move on, uh, John. So uh, awesome. the last thing from this is the one that we have the least amount of detail on, um, which is – Shin Megami Tensei X Fire Emblem or Crossfire Whoa? Emblem. <laughs> yeah, I think I think we can just sum it up with Buh? which apparently, like, that? Uh, apparently this game is going to just destroy you. Is is this? Oh, I can't wait. But, here's yeah. my question: Is this more a strategy RPG with Shin Megami? We, we know we know nothing about this game. We just know that Mara should be a playable character, and so you can have Mara and Marth in your party at the same time. Okay, I, I, I mean, I, I'm so intrigued by it that I'm like... I, I think uh, that it's it's likely that this will be a uh, a strategy game of some kind, because yeah. it, it makes sense. I Yeah, I love strategy games, but it, it makes sense that this will be a strategy game of some kind, because, you know, you have Shin Megami Tensei games that have, you know, you look at Devil Survivor that are grid-based... You have lots of monsters. It works. And I really don't think you're going to see kind of uh, a, a crossover game that doesn't allow you to see as many characters as possible. Yeah. I, th- I think strategy RPGs are a good method for including a ton of characters while still making them distinct. Yes. Speaking of uh, crossover strategy games, did we? Did you guys cover this on the last podcast? No, it happened afterward. Uh, Project X-Zone for 3DS is coming out in North America somehow. What is it? It's it's a Namco Sega Capcom crossover strategy RPG. Oh dear yeah, god. I, I have, have no idea how that game is coming out here. It's going to be yeah. Cosmos beating up Jill Valentine. No, no, dude. That... The 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 characters come as either singles or pairs and uh one of the one of the sets of characters is TLOS and Cosmos from Xenosaga, which is awesome. And another one of the sets is Mega Man X and Zero. So I bought the game. <laughs> Dude, yeah. the 3DS is uh, starting to become that system that I, I wish I had. So uh, is the Vita. 
Yeah. The, uh, as, the, as of today, the Vita is looking pretty good too, man. Well, why would you say? Oh, because of the the X Seed stuff we're going to talk about, or we're going to talk about all of them. There's like five new video games coming out, so we'll talk about all of them. <laughs> Ooh, five. Uh, what is that? Double the the library of the Vita. Vita's actually got a lot of good stuff. On. Know, I, I, dude, yeah, I'm, I'm, man. I'm not okay. I am kind of bagging on it, but I just I want games for that system because I think it's a very impressive piece of technology. I just I want the games. Yeah, they're coming. They're, okay. and there are a bunch that are out. Like yeah, I, like, I I feel like people really discount the Vita's library because I own like I don't know 25 Vita games. Really? Yeah, yeah. And, and like most of them are good. Really? Or awesome. You like Uncharted Touch? It's it was not bad. Game. Yeah, it wasn't I, bad. All right. But, so Project X Zone, um, it, it's essentially a spiritual sequel to Namco X Capcom. I'm, I keep saying X. Namco Cross Capcom. This cross so, thing needs to stop. Well, that's <laughs> what's interesting is uh, you take a PlayStation controller. What's the bottom button on a PlayStation controller? Cross. <laughs> yeah, we call it X in North America, but it's called Cross in Europe and Japan. Uh, yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I never knew that. You learn something new every day. Yeah, go figure it. The more you know. Mm-hmm. So, uh, essentially what it is, is a strategy RPG, except when you initiate combat, it turns into like a little brawler. So like Tails or a fighting game or whatever, and you beat the crap out of the other people. Cool. Cool. Um, let's go. Skyrim DLC is coming out for the PlayStation 3 finally. Um, hey. Really soon. So uh, they they just announced that they were in approval process for all of those. So Dawnguard, Hearthfire, and Dragonborn will all be out soon. What's so, interesting, though, is aren't they coming out backwards? Yeah, like, they're coming out Dragon- like a weird order. I think Dragonborn's coming first, and then and then Hearthfire, and then... Uh, Dawnguard. Dawnguard, yeah. What's the general feeling on these uh, Skyrim DLCs? I think... Dragonborn got a little bit more praise, but Hearthfire was like, meh. Well, Hearthfire is also the cheapest. Hearthfire is like, okay, you can have an orphanage, and here's more stuff for your house. I I gotta say, I'm a little... I started playing New Vegas again, actually, and and getting that game to run is still a pain in the butt. It's doing some weird stuff with my graphics card that I I, I want to talk to you about. I have to stop, because, like, I don't know what it is, but whatever video card Rob has is awful <laughs> because nothing runs on that video card rob you know what i've had no problem running anything on my ati card ever but i, I think like, it's i think every it's the... third game is like rob's like this doesn't run it's got some graphical glitches yeah, I this, game. Game. Uh, this this 20 okay the baldur's gate thing is serious all right it still doesn't work <laughs> my buddy has an ati card that works fine i think it's the the problem was that i had to upgrade I had to upgrade the beta drive to the beta driver because Hitman Absolution was running like crap. And so it fixed Hitman Absolution and then it broke Baldur's Gate. So it was yeah, just like, eh, whatever. Your, your video card sucks. Oh, whatever. Um, <laughs> sh- quiet, you. Uh, well, when that 8000 series comes out, I'm going to go for that. Uh, what the hell was I even talking about? You knocked You're talking it. about Fallout New Vegas and how oh, it didn't run right. No, no, no. Th- th- it's Very just... Dumb. No, 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 no. It, it's doing this weird thing where it's like, it feels like for every step forward, it's like taking a slight step back. It's this really weird gla- graphical thing that I, I don't, I don't know. It's something I'd have to show you. But anywho, I, I just, I'm kind of disappointed that Bethesda still doesn't seem to quite get DLC. Like, they, they still don't get it. And I'm kind of 
I'm yeah, kind of miffed at them about Fall, it. Fallout New I, Vegas's DLC was well. I Honest Hearts was not great, and Dead Money sucked, but Old World Blues was like the perfect DLC. That's what I'm saying. That is that the they poster, got right? one right and they screwed up the other two. With Fallout Three, they got one right in Point Lookout, and damn, did they ever get it right? And then the others were like, meh. So it's like they they do the one good one, and then there's like. I'm not, I'm not sure what you were expecting. Like, Dead Money was awful. I, I can't defend Dead Money at all. Honest Hearts was just really easy, and I didn't play Lonesome Road, though I heard good things about it. But you can only, like, you know, just like coming upon the Republic of Dave, like, <laughs> you know, Old World Blues was it. Like, that was the quest that was great, and you can't have everything be the most fantastic thing in the world. No, but I think what we want is we want... I, I think most fans would agree that we want new areas to explore. Well, and, every every single there there was no uh, oh god, what was the broken steel? There was no broken steel for right, Fallout just, New Vegas. Yeah, it just fixed the ending. <laughs> yeah, well, broken steel had extra stuff, but it didn't add anything. Whereas yeah, every <laughs> every single DLC in New Vegas gives you new areas. And Hearthfire doesn't, but that's not really an expansion pack. Both the Skyrim expansion packs give you new places to go. I think they learn their lessons. I think that just not every piece of DLC is, oh my god, this is amazing. Okay, so they got an A team and a B team, and I just want to see the A team doing more of the work. I have the A team theme song in my head now. Um... So let's, let's go on to, to developers that we like. Okay. <laughs> um, gas-powered games. Um, I don't know if anyone who's listening to this podcast keeps track of their stuff. Gas-powered games is Supreme Commander and Dungeon Siege and all those games. I feel bad for um, those guys. They're they're gone unless you help them. Oh man. So they've got a Kickstarter for a game called Wild Man. I think they're like. 400,000 out of 1.1 million that they're looking for. Oh boy. It's an it's an RTS RPG MOBA hybrid. Um it's... Sorry, it's, that. it's looking interesting, but if you go to their Kickstarter page and you just watch the the Chris Taylor videos, it's very clear how much this guy loves doing what he does. And you know what? I I went and I kicked into it. But I I think that it's it's it would be sad to see gas powered games go under because they're very much like uh, they're the big huge games guys. Yeah. People yeah. Have, like yeah. And like most of their games have been pretty solid, if not really good. Like Dungeon Seeds Two was really fun if you like the clickins. And what I think is strange though, and I, maybe you can answer this, John. How are they able to say that on Kickstarter? Because I mean they've outright admitted we're going to go out of business if this doesn't get funded. So it sounds not like you're funding a game, but like you're funding their like people's well, salaries. And I thought that was against Kickstarter's terms. No, I think that they, they fired everyone. Oh, and they said, you know what? We will make this game if it is funded. And I think that's what they're funding is the game. OK. Oh, I, I, hey, I hope it works out for him. I really do. I, I get depressed. When I see developers going under, like, like, just depresses me. So, speaking of developers going under, oh, uh, THQ dissolved. Well, did we buy any shares? I thought about it. No, we didn't. We we uh, I tried to buy like the the UDraw platform, but <laughs> they wanted thirty dollars, 
You bid thirty dollars on on an intellectual property. And I was like, they wanted thirty, and I was like, you know what? I really can't go higher than twelve. Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? We might have been able to get Vigil. Yeah. Well, so I, I have a feeling Vigil was their major studio that wasn't purchased. Um, the Darksiders IP will go to someone later. Um, they still haven't sold off their spare IPs, but um, game companies that RPG fans might care about, well, Relic went to Sega. So, Company of Heroes, Warhammer 40k Dawn of War, I believe, um, are now in the hands of Sega. Sega already had a license for Warhammer, the original Warhammer, from Games Workshop. Um, so we're talking like the fantasy version of Warhammer, so now they have both versions, right? I believe so, yes. Okay. Hey, I want to see Relic make another Space Marine, because Space Marine, like, it wasn't great, it was really good. Like, that's, that's a good foundation. Like, that yeah. to me could be the jump from Uncharted 1 to Uncharted 2, where yeah. like, every, like, Uncharted 1 had really good ideas. I, I want to see a Space Marine too. so please be working on that. Uh, the <laughs> please only... Please look forward to it. Uh, the only the only true RPG in their lineup was South Park: The Stick of Truth, which Ubisoft purchased for three point two million. Holy crap! I'm glad uh, I, I'm glad that they were able to sell that to somebody because that game needed to get made, man. Uh, I I still don't tr- well. I'm, we've been snake bit by some South Park games. I'm just I'm hoping. Well, how many of those South Park games were developed by Obsidian? Yeah, Obsidian well, with actual funding because. Yeah, yeah you know, that's that's the other that's the other part of the equation, guys. Is the Obsidian having enough time to finish this damn I, game? You know what? I I look at Dungeon Siege Three, which was done by Obsidian and, and uh, Gas Powered. Yeah. yeah, who needs multiplayer in a PC game? No, 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 dude. No, Dungeon Siege Three was a really, really polished game. You may not have liked it very much, but it wasn't nearly as buggy as their other stuff. Well, yeah. It also, it, it also I, I think if they have more focus. And this goes for every game, because every yeah. wide open PC game is buggy. But they had focus in Dungeon Siege 3, and they were able to create a very cohesive product. I just couldn't get that game to run on my graphics card. I'm kidding. Let's go over the pond. Uh, let's talk about some Japanese stuff. Across the pond. Oh, other way across the pond. Yeah, other way across the pond. I don't care about Europe. Well, I mean, technically, <laughs> you can go either way across the pond. Yeah, we, we just you go much further if you go that way. Moving on, <laughs> get on with it. Uh, Atelier Ayesha, Atelier Ayesha is coming from Tecmo Koei to North is, America it's in the, March. Uh, the urban Atelier. Why isn't Tecmo? She, she's a hairdresser. Why isn't Tecmo working on releasing those <laughs> damn Fatal Frame games? Do they even have uh, Fatal Frame license? Probably yeah. not. Whatever. I don't know, but. So Tecmo Koi bought Gust back in late 2011. And so we really weren't sure what was going to go on with Ayesha because obviously when you own a company, probably your subsidiary will bring out their games. The game was localized by NIS America, but Tecmo was publishing it. Um, this is not so different from the previous setups where while NIS America published all the other Atelier games, Tecmo Koi distributed them. So it's a little shift, but not a huge one. But it's coming out. Yeah, it's coming out March 5th. That's all everyone cares about. Moving on. Um, let's see. 
I want to do all the Vita stuff at once. So okay. yeah, let's try to wrap this up in 20 minutes so I can watch John Stewart. Oh, we're we got we're good. Uh, Falcom is re-releasing a bunch of the Ease games for uh, Windows 8. It's so easy. Uh, Ease One and Two Chronicles, Ease Origin, Ease Six: The Ark of Nefishtim, and Ease The Oath and Felgana. They're all going to be 39.90 yen. Um, oh, I thought I thought you were about ready to say 39 dollars. I was like, what? No. In Japan, so, pay attention, fool. <coughs> Though let's seg that into. Exceed announces a crapload of stuff today. They must have made a lot of money off the last story. Well, no, this I think this was them going. I think this is everything they're releasing for this year. Oh. So this is putting all the cards on the table. Um, really quick, non-RPG Killer is dead from Suda51. Uh, so it'll look cool, but play like crap. Lovely. Hey, No More Heroes was pretty fun. I would say Shadows of the Damned was pretty fun, except for like that section with the, the big boomer. That sucked. So, uh, Exceed has four or five RPGs technically coming out this year. They had previously announced Pandora's Tower, uh, which I don't think we talked about because it hadn't been announced previous podcast. Yay, Operation Rainfall. Yeah, no so, kidding. Though. Three out of three. I so, want to try that. That will be out in uh, the spring. Derek, how did you like the last story? We already talked about this. <laughs> We'll also talk more about Ease. Uh, they're releasing a game called Ease 1 and 2 Chronicles Plus. Uh, it's coming out in Steam in February. And it's it, it's it's really unclear. It's kind of a mixture between Ease 1 and 2 Chronicles and Ease 1 and 2 Complete. One of the now, uh, their programmer the, put out a little bit more info on that today. So later on. Well, both of those game the, the Ease 1 and 2 versions, are those both the ones where you still have to run into enemies to attack them? Yes. yes. Or have they since, like, is the plus going to include no. actual stabby? Ease 1 and 2 are always going to be run into people to attack them. They're Word. really interesting games from a historical perspective. I played through 1 and 2 Chronicles on PSP, and I I don't think I can play them again. <laughs> they're not really fun. but they're yeah. well, well, 2 is a lot better, but I'd say that they're, they're a really interesting pair of games, but they're not fun to play really are, are you Can't... saying are you saying that she has a good personality yeah but I'm, I'm, I'm glad they exist <laughs> yeah. i think i use that phrase a lot i'm glad such and such exists i'm glad nino kuni exists well, oh that's, that's the, harsh the next, sorry yeah you should have <laughs> the next piece of news is going to make me really excited so uh rune factory 4 Not coming out for <laughs> nintendo 3ds is that the one where you're a farmer uh well so harvest moon runes. is the one where you're just a straight-up farmer. Rune Factory is where you're a farmer and a dungeon crawler. So, if, if I recall, different. the combat was actually getting like decent, wasn't it? Or is that is it still pretty wonky? Mm. I, I don't know. I can't. I can't it's stand farming. Not that good. But it's, I I think it's a good combination, and it's good. It, I think four looks good. Yeah, it's it's a good simulation. So it's. We've got a lot of our, our listeners and readers who, who love the game, and more power to them. It's not for me, but it's for you, and it's coming out in the summer. Uh, then we have a pair of Vita games from Xseed. Yes. Uh, Valhalla Nights 3, which is coming out in the fall, which is more Valhalla Nights. Um, Valhalla Nights, another one I'm not particularly fond of, but there are some people out there that really like it. Is there is there actually a fan base for that? That sounds really awful, but I I it, have there is believing it, that, they, it, that there are fans of that it, series. 
there are. It's a smaller fan base than a lot of RPGs, but there are. So it's mm. it's kind of a, a very party-based, customizable one. I didn't play the one for Wii, but I didn't like either of the PSP ones. Uh, either way, there's a third one coming out for Vita in March. Or in March, fall. Those two things aren't even related. Uh, and then last but not least, going back to Ease again, uh, Ease Memories in Celsetta is going to be out also in the fall uh, for Vita. And that's a reimagining of Ease 4. So this is the first time that Falcom themselves is making Ease 4 because the others were Hudson Soft and uh, some other publisher who I can't recall off the top of my head. That was the one that was on Genesis, right? Wanderers from Ease? No, that's no, that, that's, that's, that's East Ocean Felgana. Yeah, Felgana is a remake of that one. Okay. Uh, yeah, this, this is was um, Dawn of, of East and Mask of the Sun. Yeah. Yeah. So, Sorry. <laughs> and I don't know. I, I couldn't remember the other one. So, you got me there. I love East. I so, love them. It's so it's, easy. It's it's more ease. You know, They're if you like if you like fast paced action RPGs, that one's going to be great. And uh, I just reviewed the soundtrack. So yes. you can check our music section and read about it. All right. Oh, and we, got, we have two more Vita announcements. One from Sony, which is uh, Soul Sacrifice is going to be out in April. Soul the... Sacrifice. I was just about to do that. It's like the most brutal name I've ever heard. So it's... Like... It... Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. That's okay. Go ahead. I, I was going to describe the game. So please, if you have... No, nope. I was just going to say that um, it should be required to always say that game in, game's title in a death metal voice. All right, so Soul Sacrifice. Soul Sacrifice. That was weak, John, but Derek, that Soul was really good. Soul Sacrifice. No, Derek got it. That that was... Ooh, give me a chill. I, I, I'm, I'm doing the news, guys. I, I only have so much that I can put into it. I know. Uh, it's going to be out April 30th. <laughs> it's, uh, it's from our good friend, Keiji Inafune. Uh... It's going to be like kind of a, a RPG monster hunter hybrid thingy because every game that comes out in Japan has to be some kind of monster hybrid hunter. Is this the game where the monster dude hunter. rips out his spine, spine and uses a... it as a sword? Yes. <laughs> That's just metal. That is metal just... is a good description. Also, it's composed by Wataru Hokuyama and Yasunori Mitsuda. So. You know what? There, there was a game I played when I was like eight, and this just goes to show you that you know, kind of not everything uh, was was vetted quite as well, called Bioforge. Uh, oh, I remember or, that. Is an origin game. You know, I couldn't have been 8 because it came out in 95, so I had to have been at least 11. Um, but there, there's this blue guy at the very beginning of the game, and his arm has been cut off by, like, a laser fence. And you can pick up his arm and beat him with it. <laughs> So this is not the first time that you're able to to use someone's own body parts to defeat them. Just saying. You don't want to. Know yeah, you could do it in Dead Space. Sorry. Definitely not soul sacrifice. Derek and I are having some <laughs> chat room. Anywho, soul right. souls. <laughs> so if oh, you, I messed up, I broke my own rule. If you pre-order soul sacrifice, soul I, sacrifice. I, <laughs> You get some costumes. As well, if you pre-order the game, you get access to the Japanese language pack for free. So if you really cool. yeah, if you want to play the game with Japanese voices, pre-order it and you'll get it for free. Otherwise you'll have to pay for it. It'll probably be like five bucks or whoever knows later on. 
So if you want to play Soul Sacrifice, that's what you should do. I'd give it about a seven. Good job. I I can't talk now, but luckily I'm on my last story. Not related to the last story. Hopefully it's not the last story. Uh, Muramasa Rebirth, also coming to the PlayStation Vita, courtesy of Axis, which means that hopefully it will have a much better localization than it had under uh, Ignition. I'm sure it will. I'm sure it will. That it, was one of the it biggest can only go the up. Well, they're fixing the two things that were really wrong with Muramasa, which was A, crappy localization, and B, jump being mapped to a button. Yeah, before if you played the original Miramasa, Muramasa, you had to jump by tapping up. Now it's the worst thing ever. It's like when you go to somebody else's house and play Smash Brothers and they haven't configured the controllers and you're pressing up on the stick and it makes you jump and you can't win. <clears throat> I use that to jump occasionally. You shut up. No, you don't. Derek, I will, <laughs> Derek, I will destroy you at Melee. Oh, uh, so we're, be, we're not, we're not doing this now. Back. So I, I want to say, I think it's, you were saying earlier, John, that Xseed's putting all the cards on the table. I think that's a calculated business strategy because the Vita had kind of a sparse lineup coming up and that console needs to sell more before people are going to commit to developing for it. So by showing, hey, we've got five games, we've got games that are definitely coming out on Vita, I think it's going to encourage more people to keep, to start doing that. And then once more, you know, people are like, oh, games are actually coming out for the Vita. They're going to go and actually buy it. See, see, that's Go ahead, John. Oh, I hope so. There's lots of stuff for the Vita that I really like. Like, Rob was just saying that there are no games. I'm looking around for my Vita so I can look at all of my games because I buy them digitally. Yeah, I have tons of games on Vita that are all good to great. I, I think my problem is that I, I just don't see... Like, you just announced a bunch of games for Vita. The only one that I'm really interested in is uh, Derek. You're in de- interested in Derek? Oh. Oh. Wow, I Derek, thought we were getting married. Yeah, That's Derek, flattering. For God's sake, Derek. What? Do the thing. Oh. <coughs> Soul sacrifice. That's awesome. Now you're just sick. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that sounds like you're dying. That's the only game that I'm really interested in. And so, like, I, I really think Sony is dropping the ball. Like, Sony needs to start announcing it, some freaking games for this thing to kind of... If you're not interested in ease, you just kind of have, you know, no soul. Well... Hi, so I'm Rob. Really good. Have you played any East games, Rob? No, I've actually never played an East game. You know okay, what? start by playing Oath and Shogun. would be right up Rob's alley because you know what, Rob? Ease is all about super tight controls and you being able to do what you need to do to beat the crap out of some monsters. All right, and it, it's you know what? I, I'm I'm happy to say Go this. Go ahead, do Ease it. Ease is Dark Souls before Dark Souls. I knew it. No. I knew he was gonna say it. I, I I like ease, but you know. Steven? <laughs> Treading on ease thin is ice. not like Dark Souls. I, no, I'm talking about in the sense that I would say that it's a lot easier. <laughs> ease is wow. unforgiving and it's very exact in its controls. And it's set up in such a way where you can read enemies and I, I, I see that there's a lot of similarities between those two games i'm not going to say like i obviously i'm using hyperbole here that no i think you made your point though well buy me a few easy on steam and i'll play them all right okay well next time they go on steam sale for like five bucks i'm gonna buy you at least one of them all right fine 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 but i i guess i'm just i'm deciding which one i want either a 3ds or a vita and i think 
in terms of technology, I really want the Vita. I think that is an impressive little piece of hardware. But the 3DS is starting to get more and more games that I really want to play. And I, th- I think that's starting to pull away. Of course, when they announce Persona 5 for the Vita, I'll be doubly screwed. So, Oh, did... Do you guys talk about Soul Hackers coming out in April? Last podcast. No. Okay. Well, oh. Yeah, that's, that's coming out. Oh no, no. You know what? We did talk. We talked about that a little bit two podcasts ago because I remember I did that one. Oh, okay. So is that it for news? That is it. That's most of the major news. So, okay. uh, are we going to see? We're recording this on Thursday night, and uh, like right before we we jumped on here, of course, Sony released their uh, February twentieth trailer. So uh, are we going to hey. see? Are we going to see the Orbis? Do you guys remember that Game of the Year podcast when I was all like, hey, they're going to announce PS4 this year? Well, d- okay, yeah, well, wonderful prediction there, sweetheart. Okay, are we actually going to get it this year? I think so. Yeah, I, you know what, we were talking a little bit before the podcast, Rob was not sure. You know what, it comes to a point where, yeah, games get delayed, stuff happens there, but usually when it comes to hardware, at, at the point that you're teasing it, it's done. You know what it's going to be. It's just a matter of getting it produced and getting the dev units into developers' hands. Uh, my only thing is that remember that the, the PlayStation 3 was supposed to have the worldwide launch in the spring, and it didn't happen. I think if Sony's going for a worldwide launch... I, I think they would have learned from that, though, because they are going to want to get out before Xbox. Because you know now the sales have come out that you know PS3 has outsold Xbox... But really? Xbox is yeah. Xbox oh, is perceived it, as the quote unquote winner because well, it it's by far the winner in North America. Yes, that's yeah. what I was gonna say. Okay, okay. But if when you take in all the other territories, the, I mean, Sony's kind of got a stronghold in Europe, especially. Yeah. So the PlayStation Three has has outsold the Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty worldwide, but the Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty still far outpaces the PlayStation Three in North America. Yeah. So I, I think we'll definitely see the PlayStation 4. I, I have a feeling it's going to be the PlayStation something. I don't think they're going to be 4. Isn't it uh, in, in Japan 4 is an unlucky number, if I'm not mistaken? Well, yeah, because yeah, it's the same. It, depending, it's she or Yon, and she is deaf. Okay. I, I don't it's, think, it's obviously not the same kanji. No, I, I don't think it'll be the PlayStation 4. I think they'll try to distance a little bit from that. Uh, it's going to be PlayStation with retina display. <laughs> PlayStation 3S. Though the the one thing that I saw that that actually might be realistic is that if it is indeed a a console that will support the you know the 4K by 2K resolution, calling it the PlayStation 4K. I still think that is. I was actually talking with a colleague of mine today. I I definitely agree that technology moves incredibly fast, and I remember when HD TVs were six thousand dollars, and they came down super fast. But I think we're we're kind of hitting a barrier right now with how quickly you can download information, and unless the bandwidth in this country starts to come around a little bit and get with the rest of the world, Google Fiber. I I don't think you're going to be able to output those kind of resolutions. I mean, we, we still, the standard for well, HD we're, televisions we're, is still 720p. We're not talking about streaming, Rob. This is not right. like the, you can send a, a 4K picture over HDMI. Like, right. but yeah, you're not going to have streaming 4K. And you know what? You look at when the PlayStation 3 first launched and the Xbox 360 first launched, the original Xbox 360 didn't even have an HDMI port. Yeah, yeah. I I just think 4K 
I think there's some logistical issues to get over, but for I, I agree with you guys. For just content, although even then, you're getting to the fact where some movies on double di- double layer Blu-ray discs, it's not enough. So where do we go? We got to create a new proprietary type of seat. Well, they've already basically created high capacity Blu-rays that are playable by modern players. So I mean, that's I don't feel like that's going to be an issue for them. Okay, as long as I—I I, I told you guys, I just bought my Alien anthology, and I love that thing on Blu-ray. And I'm just like, I don't want to do another upgrade in the next five years. I'm gonna be very annoyed if all I, of a sudden it's like Blu-ray two. No, I'm Blu-ray like, Blu-ray is gonna be the format for now. Yeah, you know, it's for a while. When when the original PlayStation launched, DVD kind of hadn't taken hold yet, but it was out there. Yeah, my first DVD was The Mummy. That was my first DVD that I watched on my PlayStation 2. Fun movie. It was pretty enjoyable. But I I think that we're going to see Blu-ray as the format for now, and I think that probably even whatever the next Xbox is will use Blu-ray as a media. (laughs) (laughs) Ha 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 ha, Sony guts inside of a Microsoft system. Nah, it has well, Sony I mean, guts. Blu-ray was designed by like Toshiba too, and like it, it has Sony oh, guts. That was HD DVD. Sony but... guts. Sony guts. No, it's it's gonna use HD DVD because that's that's <laughs> a totally it's a totally living format. My parents actually own an HD DVD movie, and I was like, "What even is this? Is it Transformers? No, it's uh, Letters from Iwo Jima. It, it's gonna run on Divix. <laughs> <laughs> I can't take that seriously. Ever since Penny Arcade made that a character. Are we just about ready to wrap this up, boys? We're we're done. We're just we're just shooting it now. All right. Well, thank you everybody for listening to our podcast. As always, make sure to send us email. We got a lot of email requests for uh, some more retrospective shows. Going back and looking at some retro games. Uh, still have my copies of Shadow Hearts. <laughs> I, I think I don't I don't even believe you. I'm so done hearing them. about this. I have them. I swear. I, uh, nope, I, I want to see a picture. <laughs> I actually I just heard. bought Dark Cloud Two as well. I think that uh, we have Fire Emblem in February, but other than that, there's a pretty big lull. So that might be a good time to. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I kind of there's, agree with you. There's like Etrian Odyssey and I tell you, Aisha. That the entire <laughs> month of February, like uh, Etrian Odyssey comes out at the very end of the month. Yeah, and Fire Emblem at the beginning. So that that's four weeks. Yeah, but I'll probably be playing Nino Kuni for all of those four weeks. Maybe. Well, we can always do a retrospective about games that we have played because Rob's never going to play Shadow Hearts and we all know it. I yep, sp- it's true. No, you know what's going to happen? He's going to play it. He's going to be like, look, I appreciate where they were going with it. I oh, like I'm it. I'm actually into but- it. I started it. I really was into it. I was like, oh, you need- this is fun. Like, that's going to be one of those cases where I explode if you have, like, negative things to say about it. <laughs> like, I'm literally just going to be like, Bleh! all right, all right, all right. So I will play that. Uh, so yeah, we, we're definitely watching those podcast emails. Uh, we're thinking about new stuff to do. We got lots and lots of games to talk about. Please give us reviews on iTunes. We love to read those. And uh, thanks again for listening, everybody.